Okay, so today I'm going to talk about regulation of transcription, uh, and um, this is really, this module stems a lot from the Jacobino lac operon module, um, uh, because we're talking about transcriptional regulation in that module, and this is the main subject of this module also. Um, and just kind of a quick overview, we're going to talk about uh, transcription factors, and then look at specific types of transcription factor proteins. So activators, uh, enhancers, and repressors, okay? Um, and, you know, this might sound familiar. You might say, oh, activators, kind of like in allosteric, right? Remember when we were talking about allosteric regulation and we discussed that uh, uh, what binds to the allosteric site? Regulators. And regulator is just a fancy term for activators or inhibitors, right? Positive regulation or negative regulation is activators or inhibitors. Uh, and this is kind of similar, but not exactly, uh, because we're dealing with repressors here, not inhibitors. They're kind of, you know, the... Um, uh, they seem to be the same thing, but uh, repressors are more the bulky things that in, that um, that uh, obstruct the pathway of an enzyme and therefore its function, uh, whereas inhibitors are more of an indirect form of uh, uh, of um, interruption because they bind the allosteric side. I'm not going to get too much into it. Um, anyway, so remember we talked about the structure of a DNA strand and we talked about how there's a start and stop codons in the transcribed region. Uh, and then we talked a little bit more about the promoter and operator sites um, on that strand. Um, and the promoter site we said is the binding site of the enzyme you're dealing with, which is polymerase because you're doing transcription. Uh, and then the operator site is the binding site of repressors, right? That's what we said in the Jacobinode-Lac operon. That's not incorrect, but that's a little bit too specific. Really, the operator region is the binding site of transcription factor proteins, or TFs. Uh, and really, we use the term GTFs, general transcription factors. Um, uh, it doesn't need to be always, but GTFs are in prokaryotes, okay? So transcription factors are in eukaryotes, general transcription factors, a small distinction. Um, anyway, <clears throat> uh, in, the context, in the context of general transcription factors in prokaryotes, there are a class of proteins that bind to specific DNA sequences to activate transcription. Okay. Transcription factors can be involved in activation or regulation, but in this example of GTFs, we're talking about activating transcription. Um, and so there are, activation, there are transcription activators through binding. Okay. I want to switch gears before I start talking about the types of trans transcription factors. There's just a small blurb you need to know, and it's called the basic transcription apparatus. Okay, and this is uh, this is kind of like a molecular machine. What it does, it has two functions. It positions RNA polymerase at the start of the DNA sequence that we're going to be transcribing, and it releases polymerase to to begin transcription. And and what we're kind of seeing here is this BTA, the basic transcription apparatus, kind of tells the enzyme, the, the polymerase enzyme, when and where. When, when do I start transcription, right? Because it releases the polymers. And where do I start transcription? It, it centers it at the start of the DNA sequence that we're trying to transcribe. Um, and so this basic transcription apparatus, what we're seeing is that polymerase, you know, in, in the previous modules, we talked about polymerase as kind of just magically knowing where to bind, where to start, where to end, right? Uh, and now we're seeing that there's more um, biological actors that kind of uh, control polymerase and where it starts and ends. And that's known as the basic transcription apparatus. And the BTA consists of three things. It consists of GTFs, general transcription factors, uh, RNA polymerase, obviously the enzyme, uh, and then media mediator multiple protein complexes. Uh, and these are just all the proteins or protein complex. I'll, I'll actually talk about this in a little bit because it's a little bit uh, longer. But now you understand the BTA, the beta, uh, the basic transcription apparatus. 
Now that I've gotten that little transcription factor intro out of the way, we're free to talk about them. So activators and repressors. We're also gonna throw in enhancers, although those are a little bit different, um, but we'll get to that later. So let's begin with activators. They are another type of DNA binding protein. Activators are DNA binding proteins. And what they basically do is they enhance the interaction between the enzyme and the promoter. Okay, so literally like they make sure that the enzyme and the promoter are, you know, better stuck together, literally. Um, and it does this in two ways. Number one, the activator uh, may increase the attraction of the RNA polymerase for the promoter via interactions with the RNA polymerase's subunits. That's number one. Or it can enhance the uh, this their interaction, the enzyme promoter interaction indirectly by changing the DNA structure. Okay, so it, you know if it changes the DNA structure, it changes the promoter structure to better fit the RNA polymerase. So that's the indirect way. Is it it kind of makes the uh, promoter region a better fit for the enzyme. That's the indirect way. The direct, or not really direct, but the, the second way uh, is that the RNA polymerase is more strongly attracted. Okay, so it's like stickier almost, like stuck harder, stronger to the promoter region. This is what an activator does, okay? Um, and that's that's actually it. Now I'm just gonna go straight into the example and we can move on. Uh, so the example of an activator is the catabolite activator protein which sounds super, you know, confusing and new, it's really just CAP. And for those of you who are who have taken a bio class, you might be familiar with that the CAP protein, uh, it activates transcription of the lac operon in E. coli. Um, and there's a, there's, a, um, there's a complex explanation for this, but I wanna keep it as simple as possible. CAP is a protein. And what it does is it grabs the enzyme. So in this case, RNA polymerase, it grabs the enzyme as it's floating around and it makes sure that it's attached to the promoter region. Okay, and, and the reason I mentioned this and the reason we mentioned this in the module, the reason it's important is because up until now, like I said before, we've kind of been talking about enzymes as just these magical molecules that just know exactly where to bind, exactly when, exactly how, exactly how fast to go. And we're finding out as we delve deeper into this material that um, they don't know exactly where to go. Right? They need assistance. CAP, the protein, is kind of like this mechanical arm, really, that just grabs the enzyme and makes sure that it's bound to the promoter region. Okay, that's that is the catabolite activator protein. That it's an activator that does this. Okay, um, and uh, it does this through the help of one other molecule known as CAMP. Okay, so CAP and CAMP work together. CAP is catabolite activator protein. That's the arm itself. Uh, CAMP is cyclic adenosine monophosphate. So really cyclic AMP, you know, ATP, AMP, cyclic AMP. Uh, so cyclic adenosine monophosphate is produced during glucose starvation and it binds to CAP causing a con conformation change. Um, and this causes uh, the CAP to bind to a DNA site that is adjacent to the promoter, okay? So in other words, you know, going with the mechanical arm example, say you're like in a toy store or, you know, an arcade and you have those mechanical arms where you pick up stuffed animals. The mechanical arm is the CAP protein in that it, it's the arm that literally grabs the enzyme and makes sure that it's attached to the promoter region. CAMP is its ligand. You can kind of think of it like that. CAMP is the ligand or the signaling molecule that tells it to do it, right? When CAMP binds, it causes action of the CAP protein. It's kind of like the quarter that you put into the machine to turn on the mechanical arm to grab the stuffed animal. Whatever analogy helps you, I, I think I've been pretty clear, um, but I want you to really think of it as a, um, as a ligand signaling molecule or some form of activation. And, and you know, if, if my metal arm, didn't, uh, metal arm example didn't really help, just think about it for a sec. CAMP is cyclic adenosine monophosphate. 
What do we know about phosphates now? What do we talk about so much in the protein modifications module? We talked about how phosphates, how the phosphorylation is one of the body's natural uh, activation methods or activation mechanisms, right? Phosphates are, bio bio are biology's natural on and off switch, right? When you phosphorylate something, you're basically switching it on or activating it. When you dephosphorylate something, you're switching it off, right? So CAMP is cyclic adenosine monophosphate. When it binds to the CAP protein, it causes it to uh, um, uh, grab the enzyme and, um, and recruits or facilitates binding of RNA polymerase to the promoter region. And now that we've done that, now that the RNA polymerase is on the strand, now it can do its work to do transcription. You already know that. So at this point, the module discusses enhancers, but I'm gonna talk about that when I talk about silencers because enhancers and silencers go together, much like uh, activators and repressors do. Repressors are literally just the opposite of activators. Um, you actually already know about it from the Jacoba Nodlack operon. It was a, literally a roadblock that stopped the enzyme from uh, you know, performing transcription. That's exactly what it is. Uh, repressors bind to the operator site to impede, impede transcription, uh, and they actually work with the inducer. Okay, this is the one thing I wanna mention is repressors are not permanent roadblocks. They're not always in the way and they just, you know, uh, you know, prevent any transcription from happening. They prevent needless transcription from happening. In other words, the body doesn't always need to be transcribing its DNA strands, only when it needs to. So when it doesn't, the repressor comes and blocks the RNA polymerase from doing its work. However, when we do need transcription to occur, the um, inducer, which is a molecule that initiates gene expression, the inducer interacts with the repressor to cause a conformational change resulting in the detachment of the repressor. So inducer and repressor interact, repressor changes some shape, it leaves, and then the transcription is allowed to continue. Um, and that's that's really just repression in a nutshell. It's, you know, since we talked so much about activators, all you need to remember is that it's the opposite. Um, one thing I do want to mention though, is that activators bind to the promoter region, whereas repressors bind to the operator region. We've defined these two regions as distinct um, and separate from one another. And so activators bind to the promoter region, whereas repressors bind to the operator region. So now that I've talked about um, uh, activators and repressors, we can move on to enhancers and silencers. Um, so I'll begin with enhancers. Uh, enhancers are, I told you they're kind of weird because they're not their own proteins. Um, rather, enhancers are DNA sites that were bound by activators. So they're kind of a derivative of the activators and silencers are a derivative of repressors as we'll see. Um, so enhancers are actually sections of DNA. They're DNA sites that were bound to the DNA by activators. And what they do is they loop the DNA to bring certain promoters back to the initiation complex. Okay, and let me kind of, you know, simplify this a little bit. Up until now, we've talked about the DNA and we've kind of considered it as just a super long linear strand, right? Uh, and we have to remember, number one, that it's a double helix, but also it's usually coiled up with, it, you know, with itself. Um, and so enhancers allow us to kind of circle our you know, DNA strand so that it can come back to where it originated, right? Um, and enhancers, ultimately, they enhance gene transcription in uh, gene clusters. Uh, enhancers are cis-acting, meaning they act on the same chromosome, but they don't actually need to be in close proximity to the genes they're enhancing. They can even be on, on separate chromosomes, now that I'm talking about it. Um, but one thing to note is that enhancers don't directly act on promoter regions. Rather, they are bound by activator proteins. So see how I've, I've drawn this distinction, because activator proteins do, they bind directly to promoter regions. I just said that. Um, enhancers don't directly do it, rather they're attached to it by the activator 
mediator protein. Um, and enhancers can interact with the mediator multiple protein complex that I mentioned earlier. Recall that this mediator multiple protein complex, along with RNA polymerase and GTFs, form the basic transcription apparatus. Um, basically, again, because I know I haven't really fully explained the, the concept of the enhancer, it's really all about looping the DNA strand around uh, to itself to bring certain promoters to the initiation complex, okay? So we can start transcription again. Because if, it, if, if you think about it, if the DNA strand was just a straight line and then you know RNA polymerase was doing transcription, when it reached the end, it would just fall off, right? And so we can't have that happening. So what we do is we add this enhancer, which is a region of the DNA strand that we, that we add to the end and we attach it to the beginning, allowing certain promoters to uh, reach the uh, um, initiation complex. So kind of a review, the promoter region binds RNA polymerase, the enzyme. It also binds um, um, various other molecules such as activators. The operator region binds um, um, binds uh, transcription factors such as repressors. The gene is the part that's transcribed. The enhancer loops DNA to bring certain promoters to the initiation complex. Um, and um, that's it for enhancers. So now I will transition to the last um, of the four, um, and that is silencers. And silencers are DNA regions, not proteins, they're DNA regions bound by repressors to silence gene expression. So do you see now why I kind of wanted to discuss this with enhancers? Because enhancers were bound by activators to increase or enhance gene expression, gene transcription. Silencers are regions bound by repressors to silence gene expression. Um, and so, you know, there's kind of this, this uh, inverse dynamic here. Uh, and the mechanism of a silencer is, is really just the reverse of the enhancer. Like enhancers, silencers can be several bases up or downstream from the gene promoter. They don't need to be at the promoter site like activators and repressors do. Those must be at those specific sites. Those sites are actually designated for the activator and repressor um, um, uh, proteins. So enhancers uh, work when activators bind to them and silencers do work when repressors bind to them. For example, uh, you know, when a repressor binds to a silencer, RNA polymerase is prevented from transcribing a gene. So that's, uh, that's the, um, all what we're going to talk about for um, activators, repressors, enhancers, and silencers. So I'm going to close off this module with um, uh, establishing distinctions between transcriptional regulation in prokaryotes and eukaryotes. Um, and it kind of plays off the same idea that we talked about in mRNA processing, where prokaryotes are uh, small, whereas eukaryotes are big, highly sophisticated, uh, strong security systems, and prokaryotes just aren't. Um, uh, but let me, let me, I'll get to that. So <clears throat> prokaryotes, um, they require lots of regulation. The regulation is needed for quick adaptation of the cell to the environment. Uh, so nutrients and the types of molecules that the prokaryotic organism interacts with determine which genes are expressed. Again, because it's not a very high security system, uh, so it needs to be able to uh, uh, adapt very quickly to these ever-changing conditions. Uh, so prokaryotes include uh, prokaryotic uh, genetic information uh, and, and genes, sorry, uh, are, are a combination of activators, repressors, and some enhancers. Although remember that prokaryotic genetic information is already circular and enhancers, what do they do? They, they just, they're extra um, DNA sequences to allow us to loop back to um, 
to allow uh, certain promoter molecules um, to get back to the initiation complex. So since it's already circular, there's not much need for enhancers. You don't really need to know too much about that. I'm kind of being extra. Um, eukaryotes, on the other hand, uh, the interaction of several transcription factors allows for a more sophisticated response to environmental conditions. Again, because they're larger, uh, they can't deal with as, or, you know, they don't allow um, many as many errors, like in the case of the mRNA processing. Um, in addition, eukaryotes possess membrane-bound organelles, uh, so the existence of the nuclear envelope prevents simultaneous transcription and translation. Therefore, the nucle nuclear envelope is also capable of regulating transcription. So what we see is what I just defined was uh, both a spatial and temporal control or regulation of gene expression. Spatial, uh, you know, uh, specifying the nuclear envelope, and then temporal, the several transcription factors for sophisticated response. So what we see is eukaryotic transcriptional regulation is much, much more highly specialized than prokaryotic transcriptional regulation. Uh, and again, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about the differences in mRNA processing, where eukaryotes are uh, highly specialized and require less errors. So they require mRNA with that is significantly more error free. Um, and then um, eukaryotes do not transcribe and translate simultaneously, allowing for ample time to remove those errors. Uh, and the mRNA strand travels a long distance, right? So again, what I was talking about with spatial uh, regulation of gene expression, the mRNA strand travels a long distance in eukaryotes, making it very susceptible to degradation by, for example, nucleases, therefore it requires the five prime cap in the poly A tail. That was kind of a little quick review of mRNA processing, but I wanted to throw it in there because again, uh, you know, making absolutely clear the spatial and temporal regulation of gene expression in eukaryotic organisms.